Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. Welcome to Exploring Missions, connecting mission needs with those equipped by God to meet those needs across the world or across town. And now the host of Exploring Missions, Bert Harper. You know, missions covers many areas, and part of that mission is trying to help those that are hurting. The Bible makes it plain about the widows and the orphans and the church being a part of the ministry to them and for them. But it's also true in a bigger sense of those that are hurting from persecution, being hurt from imprisonment. And so those are important, and that's a valid part of missions to support them, isn't it, Nathan? Yeah, absolutely. You know, we are to rejoice with those who are rejoicing, but also weep with those who are weeping. And if a brother or sister in Christ is suffering in any way, and we're aware of that, we are to, at the very minimum, stand with them in prayer and remember them, those that are in chains and bondage. And so in prayer, we can do that. There's other ways, potentially, we can support and stand with our persecuted brothers and sisters. One thing, though, to remember is that there's one body, there's one church. You don't have the persecuted church on this side of the world and the free church on the other side of the world. It's one church. You have we're, we're a part of the church. Uh, now, other brothers and sisters in different parts of the world in different circumstances might be facing an increased level of persecution, but we're all facing persecution, and we are to know how to respond to those that are hurting and even know how to respond to those that are causing the hurt and the pain as a witness. I want to read this passage, First Peter. I love First Peter. It was written to those that were hurting. In a way, it makes me think of Philippians, my favorite New Testament epistle, when Paul was writing, rejoice in the Lord always, and he is in prison when he was writing that letter. And so uh, are we surprised when we fall under persecution or difficulty? It shouldn't surprise us, should it? We're told not to be surprised. (laughs) Don't be surprised when when you face trials and persecution but we often are, and I know I am also often taken by surprise to hear of this, and I haven't experienced what I would call persecution in my lifetime, but I know people who have. And unfortunately, I would say many times I've been shocked and surprised, but we need to be prepared instead to deal with it, to face it, and stand with those who are currently facing it. Let me read from First Peter chapter 1. I'm, I'm just going to start reading It's talking about the Christians and the living hope they have in Christ Jesus. And he said, they are those who are kept by the power of God through faith for salvation, ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you greatly rejoice, though now for a little while, if need be, you have been grieved by various trials, that the genuineness of your faith being much more precious than gold and perishes, though it be tested by fire, may be found to praise, honor, and glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Glory. Years ago, in the church where I pastored, we had a man named Joseph Son from Romania who had suffered much persecution. 
and he did a whole session on martyrdom. And he talked about the special crown, the martyr's crown they'll have. And here it is for his glory at the revelation of Jesus Christ. So we have brothers and sisters around the world who are going through severe persecution, even death. And we are to join them in rejoicing in their salvation, but also do our best to say, listen, Jesus Christ is Lord, and we want him to be served, and we want him to have glory. And Nathan, we need to pray for them. And the ministry that I'm interviewing not only prays for them, many times they intervene for them with help, financial help, support. And uh, so when you find an opportunity to do good to the brothers, I think we're supposed to do that for our brothers and sisters in Christ, aren't we? Yeah, absolutely. You know, Paul would take up offerings for the brothers and sisters who were suffering. And so there's tangible things that we can do besides just standing in prayer. It's good, though, as we talk about suffering and we think about that in maybe our own lives, but other people's lives, and even suffering because of the name of Jesus. But God uses suffering to have a better, a clearer, a greater display of his glory. It's in the lives of those who are suffering. He works suffering into people's lives to conform them into the image of Christ in a a better, clearer, more Christ-like way. It's our character that God is most concerned with and less concerned with our circumstances. And so one verse to remember as we go into this interview, Romans 8, 18, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is going to be revealed to us. That passage says it all. And what little difficulties we have, they're nothing compared to what is waiting on those who love him in glory. Welcome to Exploring Missions today, and we're excited about our guests because we're going to be talking about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world who we need to pray for. Uh, They're praying for us. I found this out a long time ago. They are looking to American Christians as people who care and love, and uh, I pray that you're one of those. If not, I pray this will alert you to the fact that as a follower of Christ, you have some brothers and sisters that uh, are, are just going through difficult times, and we want to pray for them. And so our guest today is Paul Swartz. He's with Barnabas Aid. Paul, welcome. Well, thank you very much, Bert. Uh, I really appreciate the opportunity to speak with you uh, because uh, we are a relatively small mission and we are trusting God to uh, increase the influence that uh, we have in the lives of persecuted Christians. And this is an opportunity to make this work known to more people. So I I really appreciate it. Well, brother, any time that we can help in increasing people praying uh, and also helping our brothers and sisters in Christ. It's a great mission and it's an opportunity. We appreciate you taking time. Where we met Paul was on the floor 
of the National Religious Broadcasters Expo, and I walk around looking for different ministries that I feel like, hey, that looks interesting. And I saw Barnabas Aid, and I saw Paul, and I said, I want to know more. I picked up some literature, and I'm excited about it may be new, but it is vital, Paul. What, tell us a little bit what brought you to the point I know you were praying for them, or you wouldn't have started it. What brought to the point of starting this ministry? Yeah, well, I am not the founder of Barnabas Aid. Uh, it was founded in the mid-1990s by a gentleman named Patrick Sukdeo, uh, a British gentleman who uh, is uh, originally uh, fr uh, from uh, South America, and he, is, uh, he and his wife are experts on the intersection between Islam and Christianity. And it was originally founded as a uh, means of providing support and uh, assistance to uh, Christians being persecuted in the Muslim world. Okay. Uh, but uh, the instances of persecution around the world have grown. Uh, it's, it's not just uh, uh, radical Islam that is a threat to Christi Christianity, uh, but uh, 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 Hinduism, uh, radical Hinduism, uh, communism. Uh, and we expose uh, the ideologies that are uh, most hostile uh, to uh, the gospel and to Christians uh, around the world. And not only do we do that, but ultimately we provide practical assistance to victims of persecution in the church uh, around the world. Okay, that gets my attention. Practical assistance. Okay, how, how does that work? How, do you, how you're able to get into some of these countries to provide that? I mean... A lot of them are so close to uh, to the ministry of of Christ. Uh, that's that's got to be a great story. How, tell us how you would do that. Well, I'm going to give you one specific example uh, that illustrates our dynamic. Uh, we do not send our own missionaries, but what we do is that we uh, form partnerships with organizations that are working already on the ground in countries, in locations around the world where Christians are facing suffering or persecution for their faith. And we uh, fund uh, the projects that uh, they are implementing. Gotcha. Uh, and just as a point of background, we were uh, started as Barnabas Fund that is the name that we operate under uh, throughout the rest of the world. We are Barnabas Aid here in the United States. Okay. And that actually is a, a more accurate description of what we do. We provide aid uh, for the church. And Pakistan is a, a big example of uh, what we do to uh, provide assistance. Uh, you mentioned that... Uh, uh, you met me at, at the NRB convention. Uh, at the convention, I gave a presentation in the exhibit hall and showed a video that is, uh, you can find on our website, BarnabasA.org, uh, that uh, uh, illustrates uh, what goes on in Pakistan in uh, what's called the brick kilns. Uh, Pakistani Christians 
are uh, relegated to, because of their faith, are relegated to the uh, most menial of tasks. Okay. And one of the things that they do, uh, one, of the only, the, one of the jobs they have that uh, they have because nobody else will do them is uh, brick making. And when Pakistani Christians are working uh, long hours, uh, seven days a week with, without a break in the uh, brick kilns, uh, if they are not able to work or if something happens, they have to borrow money from their brick kiln owner and they uh, enter into a generational cycle of debt slavery that uh, they are condemned to stay in uh, in perpetuity. And this debt is passed down throughout the generations. And we're, from an American standpoint, we're talking about not a lot of money. Uh, you know, 200 300 $500. But uh, when you're only making a few dollars a week, it might as well be millions. Right. And it is, uh, they're trapped. And it is a endless cycle of poverty. And it is because of their faith that in Christ, because they confess the name of Christ, that they are in this condition. And so it's, it's not just a, 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 a practical situation, but it's, uh, it's, it's persecution. And what we do is we fund a project that uh, not only pays off the, the family's debts, but enables the children of, the, of these families to get an education, go to school, uh, learn a trade. The families receive counseling financially, and it, it changes the lives of those families and it changes one family at a time the dynamic of uh, of how that family um, relates to society and it is uh, uh, it is a practical way that we meet a need in the church in the persecuted church right. and get them back on their feet well when you say that i couldn't help but think about the egyptians and the hebrews in egypt making those brick, gathering the straw, put it more on them, and then they had to pay even more. Couldn't help but think about after the Civil War here in the United States that the way that many of these people were kept uh, on, the, on the plantations and the different places was through that perpetual debt. And, and so mankind can find ways to uh, delegate those that they feel like are not worthy and here in there in Pakistan so it's Christians how percentage wise when you think of Pakistan uh, Christians how many or do you know how many uh, you're looking at percentage wise or number wise uh, Pakistan is not necessarily considered a lot of unreached people groups there that I know about but there's Christians there the percentages are, are, is it very high number? Well, the one number that I can uh, quote for you is, is that uh, the number of families that uh, we've had the blessing of setting free in the brick kilns is, uh, it's in the thousands now. Praise the Lord. Yeah. And, and I have a specific example of uh, a church in Minnesota a few weeks ago. Uh, we received a check in the mail uh, from them for nearly thirty thousand dollars, 
which uh, it was unsolicited. And we calculated that that, that donation uh, set 31 families free from debt slavery. Wow. Amen. Yeah. Amen. That is just praiseworthy. And uh, so this is happening in Pakistan, and we need to be praying for them. By the way, uh, this book that I have, and it's, it's BarnabasAid.org that, that you can go to, that, right? That's correct. And again, that's all. It's Barnabas and then Aid, A-I-D, no spaces between that, .org. And this booklet is praying for the persecuted church in 21 uh, and 22. Is that available for people to order so they can know how to pray? Uh, what will happen is, is that that bimonthly, that actually that annual prayer guide that uh, you're holding in your hand right now, it's updated annually, and it's one of the resources that is uh, available when uh, when someone uh, signs up for our mailing list, okay. which you can which you can do on our website. You can do. I just want to give a list, and we'll talk about one of these countries. But I mean, it gives you how to pray for Af- uh, Af- Afghanistan, Algeria, Bangladesh, uh, Cameroon, Chad, Congo, uh, Iran, uh, Kyrgyzstan, Niger. I mean, it's all through here. Syria, the Sudan. And uh, you've got at least 40 countries here, a little bit more listed, and it gives us the ability to, uh, to pray for them. One that gets my attention is uh, the refugees, uh, internally displaced people, those people. Uh, my son, who helps us do this program, uh, he worked with refugees, and many of them have spent 13 to 14 years in a refugee camp before they're able to even get out if they get to go to somewhere in Europe or somewhere in the United States. And so this is a real neat prayer guide. I was looking over it, and it gives you specifics how to pray, and uh, I was just impressed with that. And this is produced yearly? Uh, the one you have is produced annually, and it provides uh, one-page sketches of the state of persecution in the countries in which we are active. And we actually have a second prayer resource that is updated every other month and uh, provides a daily prayer focus for uh, a country in the world where persecution is taking place. And that daily prayer focus is also uh, duplicated on the homepage of our website. Okay. The other country that I was really wanting to talk about was Nigeria. Uh, recently, we did, on this program, we had different groups come in or different people, and we prayed for specific countries that were being uh, Christians being persecuted. And one of those is Nigeria. Could you give us how those who are listening, who have a heart, besides getting a hold of BarnabasAid.org and finding out or helping, uh, they know how to pray. It may be Nigeria. That may be somebody's uh, country. It's one of those. God's given me certain countries that I think of quite often and check on them, and Nigeria is one of them. Tell me about what's going on there. Yeah. Well, uh, you've, we've touched on one of the ways in which we serve the persecuted church, uh, mobilizing prayer. And we certainly need to be praying for the church in all these countries where we work, and specifically Nigeria. Nigeria is a, uh, a, a prime example of another way in which we uh, 
support the persecuted church, and that is through uh, raising awareness. Uh, we have a, a news page on our website that uh, where we uh, post uh, reports on instances of persecution around the world. And it, especially recently, it seems like uh, every other news report that we're posting is about Nigeria. Uh, and, and we are raising awareness of the fact that there is, for all intents and purposes, uh, a, a genocide right. taking place in Nigeria. And, and, and nobody, relatively speaking, uh, you've publicized it, as you say, on your programs. Uh, but for, the, for all intents and purposes, nobody knows what's going on there. Uh, you know, we are facing a situation where, uh, where terrorist organizations are going from village to village, uh, uh, going, finding the church, and opening fire. And it is, uh, it is causing death and destruction across the country. Uh, here at the NRB convention, I had a, a, a gentleman from uh, Nigeria, uh, originally from Nigeria, come to my booth, and uh, we talked about the, uh, you know, the, you know, what's happening to Christians there and how they're being targeted for, for, uh, for, for martyrdom. And uh, as I spoke to him, uh, I, I, I told him, uh, I, I weep for your people. And I was uh, on the verge of uh, breaking down in front of this gentleman. Uh, and so we tell the stories that uh, the, that in the mainstream media uh, do not tell. Uh, you will, uh, unless you listen to this program or if you uh, uh, get our news updates on our website, uh, it is uh, highly unlikely that you will hear about uh, what's going on in Nigeria. And th th so that situation uh, is uh, something that people need to know about. And so we raise awareness because you can't pray for, you can't respond to something that you don't know about. Right. And well, let me so ask we, you we, this. We, we make it known. Let me ask you this. Is, is Nigeria, is it government-sponsored persecution right now? Do you know that? I know they're going through. We found that, and they're doing it. It looks like they're doing it, and the government is basically sponsoring by not doing anything about it, even giving their blessing to doing this. Yeah. Well, it's, it's tacit endorsement because the, um, it, the, the, uh, the Fulani herdsmen who are uh, instigating a lot of what's happening there, uh, and a lot of it has to do not necessarily with uh, religious ideology, but it has to do with uh, uh, the uh, uh, de desertification and they're losing their land and so they uh, for their own survival they, uh, they, they kill and steal land uh, but the president of Nigeria is, uh, is Fulani and so he is uh, uh, looking the other way uh, it's, uh, his, it's, he's related to the people who are uh, uh, helping uh, perpetrate these crimes and so uh, he's giving his tacit endorsement to it, uh, so the government is doing nothing, and so by uh, extension, uh, they're endorsing it. I, 
I'm just overwhelmed. I, I'm, we're going to continue talking a little bit, but first we're just going to pray for a moment. We want the people who are listening, pray for these believers in Nigeria. Father, I pray right now for our brothers and sisters in Nigeria that are being targeted uh, for death, for harm, uh, for, for enslavement. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would give them courage and strength. And I pray for the plans of the enemy to fail. Uh, I pray that would something like happened in the Old Testament when it would backfire on the enemy and turn against one another. And Father, may we who are listening to Paul right now hear about what's taking place. May our hearts be broken for them. And Father, for those that are in Pakistan that are, are enslaved through, through debt, perpetual debt, uh, there are some people out there that's going to get a hold of the Barnabas aid and say, we want to help those families get out of that enslavement. Father, we're praying for victory. We thank you for men like Paul and others who have a heart for your people who are suffering and hurting. And even, Father, now we know that the blood of the martyrs are crying out to you. And one day that there will be that evenness and we're going to be in heaven with them. And I thank you for the promise that we have that heaven is real. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Paul, give the website. BarnabasAid.org and a quick uh, uh, housekeeping uh, when you uh, log onto the site it will uh, uh, it'll it'll redirect you uh, so uh, you want to look for the uh, when that happens you want to make sure that you select the United States as your uh, country okay so that you'll be on our US site Okay. Well, this is international. We praise the Lord. Again, I, I just want to tell you, do, do you have any more of these that people can, can get if they desire to do so, the prayer guides for 21, 22? We have, uh, we have a library in our uh, office back in Lancaster, Pennsylvania, uh, you know, full of not only these prayer guides, but uh, uh, Patrick our founder and international director, he and his wife uh, have written prolifically on the persecuted church. And we are bursting at the seams with books and resources uh, back there that uh, we are uh, eager to get into people's hands. Well, here's a challenge for those who are listening. Let's help them clear some of their shelves, you know, and in doing so, you're praying and God may move on your heart to be a financial contributor to help individuals. Uh, the practicality of our Barnabas aid saying we're not just praying for them, which is good. Don't get me wrong, but we have means by which we can give some relief. Paul, thank you. I'm glad I made my tour through the expo and I saw your booth and talked with you and invited you to be on this program. Brother, it was a blessing. Well, well, thank you and you're welcome. And uh, I thank you for the opportunity. And I'm glad that I made the trip to the NRB convention so that we would have our divine appointment. This is my first time at the NRB convention. I didn't know what to expect. And these are the 
God moments mm-hmm. that uh, he, uh, he orchestrated. He does. I'm thankful for it. And we're thankful for you listening on for Exploring Missions. And, and I just believe God is touching the lives of those people who are listening to say, I'm, I'm going to do more. I'm going to pray, but I'm going to be a part of the relief that Barnabas Aid gives. Again, thank you for listening to Exploring Missions, and may you be on mission for God at home and around the world. Mm-hmm.